really leaning into the parts that come easier to you. So for example, when reels came about, everybody was stressing, trying to make these videos. They were trying to dance and point. It really wasn't what they were good at or what really resonated for them. So lean into, I would say the channels and the features on specific channels that work for you. So if you have a big network on Facebook or LinkedIn, be posting on those networks and don't say I have to be on TikTok just because it's the new hot app. So lean into the channels that are going to work for you that you have those networks. And then within those channels, lean into the features. And what I mean by that is if you're good at writing, do carousels where there's 10 swipes and you're teaching us something through it. If you're good at short form video, lean into the video. If you don't have capacity to be even making feed content, if you showed up in stories every day and took us along for some of your stuff, maybe popped on, told us a little thing about refinancing that you just did with one of your clients, that's gonna really build a connection and I won't even notice that you're not posting in feed. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Mallory Rowan. Mallory is a serial entrepreneur and has a fantastic business using social media, 37,000 followers on TikTok and 115,000 on Instagram and helps people build their social media up. In this episode, I talked to Mallory about how to upgrade your social media. And I also talked to Ruben from Deeded about how AI is changing the mortgage industry. Before we jump into this episode, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. It's very easy to use for the borrower. And once they finish the application, they automatically get sent a list of the documents they need and a portal to upload them. We found that more and more clients are actually uploading the documents right after submission because they're looking at them when they're filling out the app. If you want to use a system that is awesome for borrowers as well as brokers, check out lendescom slash Finmo and check out this conversation with Mallory. Hey, Mallory, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I got a couple of topics I want to talk to you about today, but maybe the first one is how to do social media and, you know, make it not take over your life. We're going to get into that, but maybe before we do those, so that people know why should I even listen to you, tell me a little bit about your background. Yeah. So I started my first business while I was still in university and we used Instagram pretty much primarily to build that business. It was a powerlifting apparel business. So I started in the thick of it doing a product business with really no budget. So we really leaned into social media marketing and building those lasting relationships with our community on a $0 budget. Marketing's always been my first love. So I realized so many small business owners or service providers are so good at what they do, but the business and marketing side is overwhelming. So I really leaned into helping people figure out how to approach marketing, especially social media marketing, so they can get the most out of their marketing, actually land clients and do it without burning out. So tell me about why powerlifting. Did you do powerlifting or what was, how did you get that into that niche? Yeah. So my partner and I, we were training partners at the time, and then we started dating and building a business at the same time, which was probably a bad idea, but we still like run a real estate team together. We still do our businesses together. So it obviously worked, but we were both powerlifting at the time and the demographic was really changing. So we kind of saw that opportunity of, we wanted a brand that better represented us as lifters. And we knew that there was a hole in that industry to connect lifters with each other. So we were both competing nationally. My partner went to Worlds. And so we were really in that community and wanted to help athletes give back. So every item we sold 
had a donation toward a different charity, depending on which athlete we were working with on that collection. Right. Cool. Is that something that still exists or is that something you no longer do? Right now, we no longer do it. We kind of paused it. There was just some conflicts with like how much we were producing. So we were like helping people do good, but also felt like we were contributing to a bit of a like consumerism problem. So we put that on pause actually started because I was burning out so badly from like working full time, running a side hustle and competing in powerlifting. So it really helped us stop and make sure what we were doing aligned with our values. Okay. I have a question actually about that. So I've seen people do this, let's say they're listening and they did something else. Now they're a mortgage broker and they want to transition their account to that new thing. How did you do that? Did you start over? Or if you're not going to start over, how do you recommend people transition an account from whatever they were doing before to now? Let's say we have mortgage brokers are listening. They're now a mortgage broker. What does that look like? What would you recommend? I think on a personal account, you can always do it. So like the business product account, that stays as its own thing. It's also an asset, like if we choose to sell it. But I think when you are a personal brand, or let's say you were like a fitness coach, right? And now you're a mortgage broker. I really believe you can do that transition. And there will be that transition period where you'll lose some people, you'll get some new, but we still to this day have like original customers from that first business that have referred real estate business because they follow along for the journey. And I think when you really build that brand, whether you're transitioning from different service providers or around like your values and your personality and you're really staying true to yourself on that page it is easier to make that transition because the underlying notion is still the same like you're still the same person you're probably bringing the same approach to mortgage broker as you were to fitness let's say or whatever it was yeah so exactly. when, when your partner switched from being powerlifter to real estate agent so then did they do specific posts like what do you recommend specifically around Like, do I say, hey guys, I'm now a real estate agent and call me for your, like, how much content do you make about the previous thing versus the new thing going forward? Yeah, I think that's going to depend on if you still are trying to use the first thing for something. If you're like completely over that industry, I don't think you have to continue to weep it through. You definitely can do that overlap. I think one thing you can definitely do is show the behind the scenes ahead of time. So let's say you're getting your license, right? You're studying or you're in classes for your mortgage license or you're maybe shadowing someone. Those are things you can show, whether it's in stories or maybe you're doing like a day in the life video that kind of introduces the people to the direction that you're going. And then they're already on your side when you do the, hey, I'm now a licensed broker post. They're excited for you, right? It's a milestone that they've kind of watched you get to, but it's also started to be in the back of their mind of, oh, I know so-and-so is becoming a mortgage broker. Right. So I've heard other people say the importance of like a day in the life of like, even if you have a business attached to your personal account, it can't just be all business. And so what is your recommendation for like personal content versus business content? If somebody's using their personal you know, Instagram or whatever it is. Is there like a formula or like a ratio or what do you think? Yeah, I think there's a line that needs to be made between like personal and private because some people go like, oh, I really like my life private and that's fine. Like you don't have to post your kids just because somebody else is doing that. I think it's about finding those connection points. Let's say you love craft beer or you love golf or you love hot yoga, right? These are things that you can speak to or integrate. Maybe on stories, you're showing yourself going to hot yoga on the weekend. Versus doing like a, here's tips for hot yoga. I think it's just about showing that these things are part of your life. I always say like, there's a broker for everyone. You might lose a client because they bonded about Star Wars with another mortgage broker and you can't change that about yourself. But what you can do is be more vocal about the connection points that you would have with someone. Right. Okay. So I kind of went off on tangent there, but so the topic that specifically I want to chat about in this conversation is more about like 
how to manage your account and like what's that look like for time management and stuff so you hopefully we can avoid burnout. Yeah, I think really leaning into the parts that come easier to you. So for example, when Reels came about, everybody was stressing, trying to make these videos. They were trying to dance and point. It really wasn't what they were good at or what really resonated for them. So lean into, I would say, the channels and the features on specific channels that work for you. So if you have a big network on Facebook or LinkedIn, be posting on those networks and don't say, I have to be on TikTok just because it's the new hot app. So lean into the channels that are going to work for you that you have those networks. And then within those channels, lean into the features. And what I mean by that is if you're good at writing, do carousels where there's 10 swipes and you're teaching us something through it. If you're good at short form video, lean into the video. If you don't have capacity to be even making feed content, if you showed up in stories every day and took us along for some of your stuff, maybe popped on, told us a little thing about refinancing that you just did with one of your clients, that's going to really build a connection. And I won't even notice that you're not posting in feed. Right. Okay. All right. So in terms of time management, I can see like sometimes people struggle if they want to do social media, but they're like, oh my gosh, it's going to be oh, take over my life. Yeah. So what are your suggestions for somebody who is wanting to implement this, but also has a business to run in a family and kids and all the other stuff. So what kind of advice or tips for time management? Yeah, I think people confuse consistency with frequency. Like people say, oh, consistency is key. And then so everyone's trying to post every single day. I think if you really start with expectations, it's like any other habit, right? Like, can you start a base habit and build off of it? So even if you committed to posting one time a week, like some social media experts might be like, oh, you have to be posting more. But if you know you don't have commitment, there's no point of like posting every day for two weeks and falling off. So like set a low expectation for yourself that you can hit and then build off of that. The second thing I would say is make sure there's always strategy behind the post. So when you're doing the just pick up my phone, I feel like I'm supposed to post today. It's taking time to try to come up with that content. Whereas if you take the time to do like two half day sessions, let's say, really think about, okay, what does my customer care about? What am I trying to connect with? Am I doing video? Am I doing carousels? And have more of that game plan. When you go to post, it's not going to feel so just like pulling anything out of a hat. It's actually going to feel intentional. And then you're actually going to see more conversions from that because we're not just saying like, oh shoot, I got to post something. And you just throw something with. against the wall and it's like, well, it's not, you didn't give it any thought. So actually I like that we said consistency versus frequency, because you're right. When I think about consistency, I'm like, well, it's every day, but maybe it's not. Maybe for some people yeah. right now, it's once a week. And exactly. so what advice do you have for somebody who wants to get, I know some people that do this, you know, social media pretty well. And what are your thoughts about like batching a bunch of content versus sort of ad hoc? And what would you yeah. recommend batching versus what would you recommend as like ad hoc content that comes up? You know, is there yeah. any differences or what do you think about? I think the biggest component is always going to be your personal work style. Like if you do really well sitting down and brainstorming and then filming a bunch and then scheduling them out. My only thing with batching is not scheduling too far out because I find when people try to schedule like two months worth of content, it's not reactive enough to the current environment. Maybe by the time the second month of content's coming, you're like, oh, I don't really love the way I did that. And also I find when you batch too much at once, it starts to get stale. So by the time you're recording like your 30th video, you maybe don't have the same energy as the first. So I like small right, right. batching. Because like you're not maybe... a professional TV personality that can sit exactly. there and write this out for four hours. Yeah. So I would say like, I like to go in two week windows of like knowing what I'm going to prep, knowing what I'm going to post, even if sometimes I have to get that ready, like the day before or the day of, at least there was a game plan. So I'm not showing up with the like, what's posting today. It's like, oh yeah, today I'm doing an update on the interest rates that just dropped. 
So one of the things that I've seen some successful people do on social media and something I have done in the past, but I, I, if I'm honest, I have not done a good job of it, certainly not in the last few years, is what I used to call newsjacking, which is basically there's some big news thing happening and you somehow create content around that thing that's getting attention. What are your thoughts or strategy around doing that? Because it's worked for me in the past and I was like, I was thinking the other day, I got to do this again. I got to go back to like, it's like there's a a wave of attention and how do I surf that wave basically? Yeah, I would yeah. say you could be 60 to 70% evergreen, which is like content that's always applicable. Like let's say fixed versus variable, like you're telling us generally what those differences are. And then maybe around 30% of this, whether it's trends you're jumping on, or like you said, the news topics. Recently, there's been a lot of conversation around who's going to buy the Ottawa Senators hockey team here. So my partner made a video of like, here's the houses I would sell to like Snoop Dogg, Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, all the different people that were. See, there, that's news. I call it exactly. news jacking. It's basically like, hey, there's this news thing. And now you put your whatever your thing is in, yes. you know, like with that. And it's not necessarily following a music, like an audio trend or a video exactly. style trend. It's more like a, a media attention trend. And so, okay, how did that post do for you? Maybe we'll get a link to that post if it's okay. And I'll put it in the show notes because I think that's a brilliant idea. But so how did that post do and what was kind of the reactions like on it? Yeah, it was definitely instant engagement. Those are great to like reach new people for sure because it's getting so much engagement. People were, you know, commenting, laughing about it. They were sharing it. It actually had a funny like credibility component by accident because some people thought that he was actually their realtor. Like they were like, oh, wow, congrats. You were with Snoop Dogg, like, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So definitely that can be really great if you're good at those things that picking up momentum people do it a lot with memes too like after the super bowl some people are ready to go knowing like which moments of the super bowl could be a great meme if you can post those like as quickly as possible that's when you're always going to get the most traction right because you're taking advantage of that attention that's on something specifically yeah and then as you say you're reaching a bigger audience and it'll grow your reach but you can't do that all the time you have to add in 70 percent sort of specific content. Now, in terms of platforms, how do you decide what platform you should use? Is there any suggestions you have for platforms? Should you be on all? Should you pick one? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would definitely say what you think you understand best even to start out with. Like if TikTok feels so foreign to you, like let's not start on TikTok. If you already have, I would say a good network on a platform. So that could be Facebook or LinkedIn, let's say Instagram as well. Some people always ask, Similar to what you said, switching industries, like, oh, I have a personal Instagram. Should I make that my business one? Fully your decision of what you're comfortable with. I would always say, if you can, if you can make that one your mortgage broker account, that's where your network already lives, right? Whether it's high school friends, university friends, friends of friends. So you already have a network built there. So it's a great place to start. I would say in general, Instagram has good longevity to it and usually is going to be your demographic of home buyers or like refinances. But Facebook can be really successful as well, especially with like more of a boomer generation crowd but really leaning into the one that you can show up best. Why I like Instagram is unfortunately like Instagram steals all the features from every other app, but it does mean like it kind of has everything. So you can pick and choose if stories feels really natural for you, do that. If you like the written post, do it with a carousel. If you're good at video, do a video, right? You can even go live. So really leaning into whatever features feel best. Right. Yeah. Instagram does seem to like rip off all the other platforms. It's like, yeah. Oh, let's do more of this type of thing. I mean, that's probably smart. Okay. Any other like kind of last tips on time management that you give? So two week cycles would be one thing, yeah. uh, you know, 70% evergreen content, pick a platform that you feel most you know comfortable with 
And then consistency, pick a consistency that you can stick to. And it doesn't need to be five times a day if that's not realistic. Yeah. Uh, any other sort of tips for time management? I think the biggest thing is getting back to that drawing board of like, do you know what the brand is you want to show up as? And do you really understand your customer inside out and how you're trying to show up? Because those things take some time to actually dig into. But the more you dig into those, the faster all of your systems become because you're really clear on like, this is who the content's for. I want to show up as a thought leader. I want to be educating. So all of the system after that just works a lot smoother. Right. So I think on our next episode, we're going to talk about how to find your authentic voice. So this kind of ties right into our next conversation, which if you're listening to this, go check out the next episode and we'll be talking more about finding authentic voice. Thanks so much for chatting with me, Mallory. For sure. Hey, thanks again for listening to that conversation with Mallory. Hopefully you picked up a couple ideas for your mortgage business. In this next segment, I've talked to Ruben from Deeded about how AI is changing the mortgage industry. And don't be afraid, just embrace it, but have a listen to this conversation. We talk about some tools as well that you can use. Hey, Ruben, welcome back to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, great to be here again. So today we're going to talk about AI changing the mortgage industry. And obviously from your perspective, given what you guys do at Deeded, I love this topic. So give me some your thoughts on this. We'll jump right into it. Yeah, so... I think you had to probably live under a rock not to hear about all the AI stuff that's been happening, you know, late last year, early this year, chat GPT has become almost like a, a verb and probably one of the fastest verbs that we've all adopted and started to impact, you know, our work and our daily lives and, and things like that. I know we've started to use a lot of AI tools. I use them personally. We use them at Deedit as well to make our process a lot more efficient. Right. So what are some of the tools that you guys are using that you're finding that maybe a broker listening will be like, maybe I can embed that into my process or test it? Yeah, no, for sure. So one of the things, and I know, Scott, we chatted about it before offline, but you know, we've got on our team about 200, 250 years of knowledge and experience. We've got you know partner lawyers, we've got law clerks, we've got people that have seen pretty much every question in the book. If you think about, you know, what have you seen over a couple hundred years? You probably have seen almost every scenario. You probably have seen different types of situations and questions. Now, there's a lot of these questions that we get, that our team gets every day, right? We get yeah. tons of questions about foreign buyer program. We get tons of questions about, you know, just different things that are commonalities. So one of the things that we started to do is codify that in an AI internally, make that into a library. Now we're not exposing it to the public because, you know, frankly, right now the model is still learning and it's getting better, but what it helps us do is become a lot more efficient, right? So even internally, right. they someone use has a question. They'll double check and then they can answer the question based on, so what software or program do you use that's working that you like right now? For that, we're using some chat GPT uh, derivatives and so on. And then on the personal side, I, I sort of made it, my goal this year is to explore at least a couple tools every week and at least, you know, sign up and try them out. So some of my favorite, I use chat GPT pretty much religiously and for different uses, I use it for crafting emails. So we all sit there sometimes having writer's block, not knowing how to respond to a certain email. And it's magical once you kind of learn the way the prompting works of how it will craft a wonderful email that gets wonderful results. And I'm talking about, you know, for the brokers listening from sales copy to follow-up to status check-ins, it's really, really done a wonderful job. Blogs, content, if you're into that, if you're into putting out some yeah. you know, blogs and content or even social posts, pretty much all our social media captions, you know, I'm going to post about 
the interest rate hike, give me a nice, you know, one sentence caption with the hashtags. Again, you're going to get that done in seconds. Yeah. A couple other interesting tools for image editing. Many people might have heard about like Midjourney that generates yeah. uh, imagery. So you pretty much uh, you can go in and say, hey, I want a picture of a unicorn standing next to a BMW on a sunny day and it'll literally generate that image. Yeah. And I want it to be in this style, like as if painted by Picasso. And it's like, boom, or like, you know, in, yeah, it's crazy what they can do. Yeah. So be using that a lot for imagery or even, you know, editing photos, removing backgrounds, things like that. And again, this is more for social media newsletters, newsletters that used to take almost a couple of days to put together in terms of content now get done in minutes. Right. Um, so if you are in our newsletter, uh, a lot of that stuff now gets put together and generated by AI. Even so much so that there's a tool, I needed to build a website over the weekend, experimenting with an idea. And you know, the best thing when you have an idea I find is, you know, put it into a website, kind of send it mm-hmm. around to a couple of folks and see what impressions they get. They want to sign up. I was able to do a website in no lie, but 15 minutes beginning to end. What program did you use? I've used Durable. Uh, before. I believe it's Mixio, M-I-X-O dot I-O. It's literally magical, right? You just pop in the topic in the industry or the idea and it'll create a website. And of course you can edit it from there. So one minute to create, 14 minutes to edit, and uh, you've got a full functioning website that would have probably taken a couple of weeks and $5,000 to develop, right? Right. I've used a tool recently that I really like called video.ai. So V-I-D-Y-O.ai. I don't know if I've told you this one, but basically you can take a video, upload into it. It breaks it into like knows where the chunks in the language are. So, and then it creates all these basically mini videos for, you know, the reels and stuff for social. And then it captions them. It's like, it just, it's so fast. You just put it in there, whoop, done. Like, so we've been using that for when we do video content, we drop it in and then we do edit it a little bit, clean it up a bit, but like it does 80 to 90% of the work. Like, you don't have to even think about it. It's amazing. So it is. Uh, it is. that's another one. And then you told me another one called 11 Labs or something. What's that? Yeah. So 11 Labs is kind of mind blowing. So 11 Labs, what they do is they can clone any voice. So literally you can upload your own voice. I think it's about a minute that you have to upload a clip. So if you've done a podcast or if you, you want to record your own voice, so they've got some standard voices as well. And literally one of the best like text-to-speech tools that I've seen. So for those of you that don't know, type in, paste a paragraph or a book or anything like that, and it'll turn into smooth speech, even you know with an accent. Obviously, you can clone your own voice as well. Right. It's really great. So we've started to use that. You know, I know a lot of folks are hesitant about jumping into social media, right? I don't want to mm-hmm. get into TikTok because I don't like recording myself and all that sort of stuff. So now there's ways to do that. So I've started doing voiceovers over the weekend and literally, you know, paste a couple paragraphs and it would create the voiceovers and I was the choice. Yeah. And it doesn't say ums and ahs and doesn't like we do. So flawless, right? It is flawless. I mean, you know, one side of it is obviously a little bit scary because now anybody, you know, if you've got content out there, like you and I do, Scott, then, you know, pretty much anybody can clone our voice and fool our friends and families yeah. with it someday. So Absolutely. there's obviously a darker, more nefarious side that we need to watch out for. But those tools are out there. They're in the public domain. And, you know, most of them are free. Some of them are literally, I think. All uh, costs. Yeah, it's cheap. Right. So a question I have when I think of this, what's your thoughts on AI replacing jobs? I think AI will replace some jobs and bar none. You know, if you're 
businesses, writing content or some of the stuff that we spoke about creating social media content. So would I rather pay someone 50, 60 grand a year, hire an agency or would I rather use a tool like you mentioned, like video that, you know, lets you do it for 10 bucks a month. Right. So I think in some of those industries, you need to very quickly think about pivoting. You need to think about something else, or you need to really get yourself fantastically aware of all these tools. And then you pivot your way in terms of an agency to educate others to use these tools. And that's what we've seen happen. I think of an AI as, you know, can any of us use a second brain, for example? I know I can, right? Because we're just inundated with stuff on a day-to-day basis. We do a lot of useless stuff or, you know, maybe not useless, but maybe mundane, like trying to book a time for us to meet or chat or which restaurant and all that sort of stuff. Or record a podcast now that we can just write it out and have it talk. We used to do a podcast where you write out your thing, I write out mine, and we stitch it together. And it's actually the AI talking to the AI. That'd be hilarious. And yeah, so all those things, you know, when you're saying, will jobs go away? I think jobs will become a lot more efficient, right? Because just given a couple examples of what used to take me sometimes a full day to do, or sometimes weeks or I'd have to pay or outsource it. We can get it done in minutes. So, you know, jobs will become more efficient and it really depends on like any other, you know, evolution of technology. Everyone will survive this, but you got to figure out what it means for you personally and what it means for your job. Yeah, I totally agree. I saw a quote recently that I liked. It was like, you're not going to lose your job to AI. You're going to lose your job to a person using AI. Yeah. And so you really have to adopt the technology or get run over by it. And, you know, the perfect, another example, I think I've said this before, but back when tractors became a thing instead of horses that plowed fields, a tractor can plow six times as much as a set of horses. Well, there were farmers who were like, I don't want to learn how to use a tractor when it breaks down. And I've got to like, because keep in mind, these were not like extremely reliable things when they first came out. But the farmers who adopted that new technology, because they were like, they saw where the future was going, they had a massive advantage over the farmers who were like, no, no, this is how I've always done it. I understand horses. I don't want to learn the new thing. And so you have to be willing to learn the new thing, I think, or risk being run over by the technology and being displaced. And I'd rather be moving with it rather than get run over by it. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think Scott, there's something called the technology hype cycle, right? So every few years, there's some newfangled technology that we all- It was crypto for a few years ago. It was like kind of the thing. And I think that that technology will exist in some format. I think that the hype around it though was insane. AI is getting a bit of that right now, for sure. Yeah. Like anything else. And you know, it seems like VR or AR augmented reality is making a comeback because Apple released their little $3,500 ski goggles there and all that stuff. But my sense is, you know, if you really look at how quickly like chat GPT and some of these other tools were embraced is yes, there's going to be a lot of hype, but at the same time, it's already in use. It's already starting to be embedded. Like, you know, if you're using Microsoft Office, it's in Office. If you're a Google mm-hmm. user, you're in Google. Most companies like ours, when we're, you know, we're in the services industry, like I said, you know, in the beginning, there's a lot of questions that come in, right? Is there a point to pay a human to staff a chat line 24 seven, or, you know, can AI become really, really good at directing people to some of those basic answers, nurture, right? People just want the answer. Mostly they just want the accurate answer quickly. Like they don't need it to be a person and they need it easy. So we're always going to default to what's easy. So what's your kind of last or final words of advice for brokers that are listening about AI? There's a saying out there, you know, I can't remember who said it to me, but there's a saying is that the most expensive thing you can ever own is a closed mind. And Scott, just like you mentioned with the 
tractors and the farmers, we are at an era right now where there's a revolution going on. This technology is out there. There's no barriers. So like if you want to sign up to chat GPT, guess what? How much does it cost? Nothing. It's free. You can sign up. Takes you 30 seconds. Play around with it. You owe it to yourself. Owe it to your future. Might not be for you. You might find, you know, there's no use for it. But at the very least, pays off to keep an open mind. See what you can apply to your business. See what you can apply even to your personal life. And I'm hoping you'd find some value. Yeah. And I think, you know, brokers listening to this, it's all about, you've got to embrace this stuff. And I, what I love about you guys, what you do at Deeded, you guys are very forward thinking, obviously that you're already starting to embed the use of AI within your guys' the whole closing process and stuff. So if you guys are listening to this and you're like, hey, Ruben sounds like a cool dude, I encourage you to go check out his company, Deeded.ca, and they do closings. They're fantastic firm, all completely digital, virtual, and AI is coming, man. And so you get to decide how you want to respond to this. So don't be the farmer with the horses that is like, I want my horses. Like, you're going to be at a disadvantage. Thanks again, Ruben. Thanks for having me, Scott. Hey, thanks again for listening to these episodes with Mallory as well as Ruben. If you are looking for more content that can help you in your mortgage business, go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com. We have a free power search tool where you can literally keyword search every episode that we've done. I think just more than 500 of them now and jump right to the spot where we talk about any of these topics that you want to talk about, whether it's social media, whether it's AI, and you can listen to those and learn and do research for your mortgage business. Check it out. And thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.